0: There are a number of references that we're going to, and it's because uh, there's certain subject matters that if you're going to study, you have to go all over the place. And so we're going all over the place uh, because of that, and we want to get a good handle on being established in our faith. And sometimes we're feeling like we're doing good in our faith, right? Do you ever sometimes feel like I'm doing good in my faith? You know, things are doing well. Then other times we feel like it's not going so good. Ever feel like it's not going so good with your faith? Okay, so we, sometimes we experience both of those. Uh, also, uh, there's, and you'll see where I'm heading with this, there's a relationship with this, but some of us are coordinated, very coordinated people physically. You know, we have good balance, we're able to do things and stuff, and some of us are kind of klutzy, okay? Uh, who among us are the coordinated individuals? Good, all right, some of you are coordinated. Who among us would say I'm oh, kind of klutzy? You know, kind of just bump into things and fall over. Okay, uh, so there's a difference between coordinate people and the klutzy people. And uh, anybody ever go roller skating or ice skating? Anybody like roller skating or ice skating? Okay? I love roller skating or ice skating. I usually love things I'm good at. So I love it because I'm, that's a space where I'm coordinated. You know, Sometimes we're coordinated with some things and others we're klutzy with. Okay? I'm coordinated when it comes to roller skating or, or ice skating. And when you go roller skating or ice skating, you, you can spot the people before they even get on the rink, the ones who are coordinated at it and the ones who are not. Can't you? You can just see the look on their face this guy knows what he's doing, and he's fine, and he's going to be okay. This other person, it's not going to be pretty. And then when they get out on the ice, the, 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 the person who knows what they're doing, they just start flying, right? They just start going around. There's no concern whatsoever about falling, and, and we know that they're probably not going to fall, right? I mean, accidents happen sometimes, but it's not likely they're going to fall. Then the other person, and we call them wall huggers, right, where, where they're clinging to that wall for dear life. And even though the wall's holding them up, their feet are still kind of sliding away from them. Ever see people do this kind of thing where they're trying to stay close and they just keep sliding? and uh, Or they finally get brave and they pull away from the wall and they're skating like this. Like this. And they're kind of shaking. And, and you just know before they get off that rink, they're going to fall flat on their face or on their back. They're going to fall, aren't they? You just know that they are. We can see it all over them. And so you just kind of Stay away, (laughs) because especially if you're just kind of so-so with it, you just, you don't want them to fall in front of you and then you go flying over them like, oops, speed bump uh, kind of thing, right? And there's there's a struggle with understanding why is it that the one person does it so well and the other person does not? Is it ability? Is it just because the one has the ability to skate and the other does not and that's why that person can't? Or is it because the one completely believes that they can? Is it confidence? Is it assurance? You know, I just know that I can and then I'm going to go out and do this. And the other is feeling so insecure and that's why they fall over because they feel like they can't. Which is it? Is it the ability or is it the optimism or lack of that? In fact, there's been all kinds of books and studies that try to figure out as far as achieving things, does it have to do with raw natural ability? Or does it have to do with a mindset? And we can see that it, it includes both of those because if we follow sports, we know that sometimes these baseball, and have you ever, I don't know if you ever hit a ball in a 90 mile an hour batting cage. Anybody ever try that before? I tried that once in my life, okay? And literally what happens in that cage, because you think you're okay because you did the 60, so you're going to go over and do the 90, and the 30 miles surely is not going to matter that much. Well, I'm telling you, that ball goes so fast that, and there's the wall behind, this is what happens. It comes, bang. <laughs> because you, you it hits the wall before you even think the swing. That's how fast it goes. And that's why it's impressive that these baseball players... Uh, 90, sometimes 100, sometimes more than 100 miles an hour that ball's coming, and they manage to hit, sometimes they manage to hit that thing so well, it goes flying 300 plus feet out, into the, uh, out of the uh, stadium for a home run. That's amazing, isn't it? But these guys sometimes get into what we call a hitter's slump. Anybody ever heard that before? He's in a slump. And we say that because, and this is a professional baseball player who knows what he's doing, we know he has the ability because he's done it before, but for some reason, for weeks, this guy just can't seem to get on base. It's not ability. It's a mindset. Or in basketball, do you guys know in basketball what it means to say that he has the hot hand? Pass it to him. He has the hot hand. It's not because he always makes it, but right now, for some reason, he can't miss. Every shot he makes, he's, he's uh, swishing that net. Uh, you know, We can just count on, we're going to win this game, just keep giving it to him because he just keeps making it. And what is it? It's not ability because he has the same ability, but for some reason he's playing better. What is it? It's a mindset. And our faith is like that also, where we have certain God-given abilities to do different things, and yet we can not believe that we do. We can struggle with believing that God can do this through me. Or we can uh, have all the faith in the world but just not, you know, just still kind of, you know those people that go skating and they have all the confidence in the world and you thought that they shouldn't fall over. and Have you ever seen anybody like that? They're like, this is going to be easy. And they go waltzing out of there and then, whoop, they fall right on their face. Uh, and that's because they had all kinds of optimism for no reason. <laughs> I once stepped out onto a bowling alley because my face ball got stuck in the gutter, and I thought, I'll just, it's not that far, I'll just reach out and grab it. Well, I don't know if you know this, but those floors are really super slick. I stepped out, and one step, and my feet went flying out from under me, and I landed right on my head, <laughs> and I thought, for sure, this is going to be easy. You know, I had all the confidence, but that didn't matter. I needed the ability, and I didn't have the ability, and our faith is like that, but there's we struggle with faith because there's a line. There's, what we do matters and who we are matters and yet it doesn't matter at all. It's it's all about who Jesus is and, and the relationship between the two is confusing for us. You know, Sometimes we err on the side of doing nothing and just believing he took care of it because he did, but then we don't do anything. Or sometimes we err on the side of... Uh, Sometimes we err on the side of doing everything, uh, and then we get frustrated because it it doesn't work for some reason, because it's not our ability. It's Him, and there's just so many lines that are blurred. In fact, even what we've been talking about so far in the weeks that we've been thinking through prayer, uh, even those things can become almost like a we can make this happen kind of thing. You know, the, the idea that uh, if there's something wrong with our faith, we work it out with the Lord and we talk that out. We take our thoughts captive and we uh, address our emotions and we allow our minds to be renewed and, and have a new heart created within us. And, and we work that out before him. And then there's the uh, being honest with our faith to recognize that faith without works is dead. So if, if something's not happening in me, there's something that's not right with my faith and and we recognize those things or the elements that need to be present in my life like I need to be in healthy relationships there's some kind of nutrients to my faith in that or that I need to watch what I'm consuming you know like we talked about last week the movies and the things we read and listen to and the conversations we have there's there's some of those things that are destructive to our faith and and there's other things that encourage our faith and uh, we need to watch that. And all that stuff's true. I mean we looked at scriptures that said that it's true. All of those principles are real. We need to address all those things. But we can almost get in this mindset of like it's like a like it's a a manual on how to put something together. You know, if I if I just follow all the right steps, then I'll have faith. But that's not the way it is, actually. You know, again, we got to do all that stuff, but there's something more to it than just simply doing a plan, and then we have faith. It's kind of like, see, I have issues with, uh, with four-way stops. Everybody ever pull up to a four-way stop? The reason why I have issues with four-way stops is because I'm contrary to, to what some of you might think. I, I tend to be evasive to conflict. I don't like conflict. Anybody like me just don't like conflict. In fact, I'd rather just, if there's going to be potential conflict, I'd rather just get out of the way. You guys get whatever you want. I don't want to fight anybody over it, right? I do that with, like, uh, food lines. You know, like, if there's a line for food, you won't see me in the line for food. You know why? Because I'm waiting for the line to be gone. Everybody else eat first. That's fine. Well, what if this is all gone? And that, I don't care. Everybody else eat first. You know why? Because I'm very slow and meticulous about putting my plate together, and I don't want anybody to have to wait for me to get annoyed because they want to get their food. So I just stay out of their way. And that becomes a problem when you come to a four-way stop. Well, why does that become a problem? Because at a four-way stop, a stop sign, not a a stoplight, because then you know when to go. The light's green, you go. It's red, you stop. At a four-way stop sign intersection, the person who gets to the intersection first goes, right? But have you ever had those moments where you pulled up at the exact same time that the car coming opposite way pulled up to the stop sign? And in your head, you're thinking, well, who goes first? Because we got here at the same time. It doesn't matter if me or him is turning left or right or going straight. It doesn't matter. We got here at the same time. And so I start thinking, and you could, you know, wave them on or whatever, but sometimes it's too cold and your windows are up or, or the lighting's a certain way they can't see through the windshield and you're making motions and you're, trying, you're just waiting for them to go. And then before you know it, that you realize that across the, the intersection there is someone who's like you. They don't want conflict either, so they're waiting for you to go. And so then you're like, all right, looks like I'm supposed to be the one going because they're not going. And then you start inching forward very cautiously. And then as you start to do it, you start realizing they started to come. And so you're a little bit into the intersection. And then you stop. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I guess it's them. I'm going to wait for them. And then, it, then you look over and guess what? They stopped also. Okay, all right. I'm waiting to see if you're going. Oh, he's not going. Okay, I'm going to start going again. Oh, wait, he's coming. And you both just keep kind of inching into the intersection because nobody knows which comes first? Do they go first or do I go first? And that's, that's what faith is like. Because Jesus did everything, so he comes first. But I have to respond to it all in different ways. So I, I move first. Or do I move first? Wh- which one comes first? I mean, isn't that tricky for some of us? Am I supposed to make it happen or is Jesus supposed to make it happen? Am I supposed to be transformed or is he supposed to transform me? Am I supposed to just trust in him to take care of it and let, let God do it? Or am I supposed, what, what's supposed to happen here? You know, am I okay because Jesus sacrificed himself or am I not okay because I'm a complete mess? Which, do we ever wrestle with those things? And so we try to understand what, what is this faith thing that we have. And the more we can understand what it is, the more we can live in that faith in which we're, we're alive. We're confident, we're completely assured, we're not shaken, we're uh, like Jesus described John the Baptist as a reed that's not shaken in the wind, we're, we're not rattled, we're complete, pe- completely at peace. But it's difficult because even in mentioning that if we understand this, then, then it works out right, we can even make the understanding a work. Oh, okay, so all I got to do is just understand it and then it'll work. Not quite, because it's still, it's still him. And so what it is, is we have to understand certain things so that we can step out of the way and let God do it. But that's that's hard to do, because stepping out of the way, what does that mean? And and we think that, well, can't really affect God what I do. Uh, and we think about things like Jesus saying to different people, your faith has made you well. You remember him saying statements like that, or... Uh, be it according to your faith, or the idea that Jesus went into it. Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, nothing is impossible with God. Jesus comes into a town and can hardly do any healings there. Why? Because the people lacked faith. Somehow people's lack of faith restricted what Jesus was capable of doing, or willing perhaps. Or ever remember the line that Paul said, do not quench the Holy Spirit, well, how, how can I get in the way of what the Holy Spirit is doing? And you see, that's, that's really part of the answer of this whole Holy Spirit faith thing is for me to understand what's happening enough for me to know when to step out of the way and let God do His work, know when to step in and let God do His work through me. So then what is it that I need to understand about this faith, because don't, don't you want to be there? No anxiety, no, no lacking, regularly fulfilling what God has called for you. The joy of the Lord is when you, within you always. And again, I say rejoice, as Paul says. would love to be in that space. Well, then there's good news and bad news. The bad news is you can't make it happen. The good news is you don't have to make it happen because all we have to do is Receive. But what I need to first understand is that it's not, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And that, that itself is also perplexing. It's not, it's not about me. But didn't Jesus himself say in John 3, For God so loved the world. Who's the world? You and I, us. Jesus loves us. But it's not about me. But he loves us. We are to examine ourselves to make sure that we're in the faith. So we're supposed to look at ourselves on occasion. But I thought, it's not about me, it's about God. We are made in the image of God, right? Or as Paul puts it in Ephesians, we were created uh, for good works, or as Jesus says it, we are to be lights to the world. Uh, So why does he keep addressing me when it's not about me, right? It's about Jesus. But, But he assures us, doesn't he? He says that I will take care of your needs. Doesn't he not say that? He says that he will give us peace. Uh, He he will give us joy. He he, uh, he is caring and compassionate towards us. And and that's, uh, if we're in the right place, That's almost almost baffling to be on the receiving end of Jesus loving us and pursuing us because it's it's not supposed to be about me. And yet it is. Which is it? Well, it's about me in the sense that He loves us, and He wants us, and He values us, and He wants to work through us. But the problem is, if I stay in that space where it's about me, and I'm focused on me not having flaws and faults, I'm focused on me resolving the problems that I have, you ever just feel like you have a lot of them, a lot of problems? You have days where you just feel like can I just get a break? I mean, how many problems can unload on me in one day? Okay? And so we just go so focused on what's wrong in our lives, and then we're looking at us, and we're not looking at Jesus. Now, we need to look at the stuff, right? We need to address the issues. But at some point, we need to, if we stay there, that's where it gets bad. But if we address it and then begin to look to Jesus, you see, that's, that's where faith comes in, to be able to look at Jesus, because it's not, it's not about my problems. It's about Jesus. And that's why we end up becoming, some of us get into this, like, woe is me. You know, nobody understands how bad I have it. My life is so horrible. Nobody understands me. Nobody cares. Uh, and before you know it, we become these bitter, uh, cranky people. And nobody wants to be around us kind of people. And uh, we can no, do no good in people's lives. All because we're just so consumed with, with us. And that, that has to change. or Or sometimes it's not negative, it's positive. We begin to recognize, you know, you go like Easter coming up, you might be hanging out with some family soon, and you hang out with family. Sometimes we walk away from hanging out with family, and we go, boy, those people are a mess. glad my life's not like that. I'm glad I don't act like that. They are crazy. You know, someone needs to help them. I'm glad I'm not like that. And we start to, because, you know, we, especially we start following the Lord and we start studying scripture and we start doing some of this stuff that he tells us to do and it starts working and we're walking along and we start thinking I'm making it it's going all right I don't know what's wrong with these guys but I'm making I'm doing pretty good here and we start focusing on who us but we're supposed to because we're supposed to work on ourselves with the Lord's help and yet we're supposed to get our eyes off ourselves at some point isn't this tricky Right, But we work on ourselves, but we have to get to a space where it stops being about us. You know, It's okay to address ourselves, and we should, but at some point it needs to become about Him and not about us. What what do we need to hear to jolt us out of that? Well, a lot of statements that we're going to hear from these passages that that are written to us that will jolt us out on that. Because if we begin to become too too focused on us, especially on how uh, good and put together we are, then we need to hear, or how I made that happen. You know, this great thing, I prayed for that. And I made, have you ever heard someone say, well, I prayed for that, I, you know, that, that happened because I prayed for that. And again, it's confusing. There is some truth to that, but it's kind of, I don't know if that's the right way to word that, because, listen, listen to what the scripture has to say with us, say of us. Ephesians 2 says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were a mess. we, We get so focused on thinking, you know, I'm cleaned up now, but remember, you're only cleaned up because God stepped in and did something. You and I were evil, selfish Self-centered, hurtful, doing no, no good for anybody kind of people, not caring about what God cared about, mess. And who stepped in and cleaned that up? Me? You? Us? No. But he continues and says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We are cleaned up not because of what we did, but because of what he did. And we need to remember, Ephesians 2.11 says, Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh were called on the uncircumcision. Ephesians 2.12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul adds to that in Romans 3.27. What becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. We were a mess. Couldn't fix anything. Hopeless, depressed, miserable, sinful, conceited, arrogant, self-centered, insecure mess. And Jesus stepped in and resolved it. It's not about me. It's about him. And why? Because Paul says in Romans 3.26, why is it that we look to Jesus? So that he, Jesus, so that he might be the just and the justifier. And again, is the reason why we want to let him clean ourselves up. We don't want to stay the mess. How does that glorify God? Look at how God's working in his life. He's a mess. That's not how it's supposed to work. We let God do a work in our lives so that we can go look at how amazing we are. We really cleaned our act together, put our act together. No. We want to let Jesus clean us up, transform us, do a work through us in other people's lives so that we can then get out of the way, step aside and go, look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did in me. Look what Jesus did through me. He did that. It's not about me. It's about him. And our faith will be constantly shaking if we're always looking at, well, well, you know, how am I doing? You know, and again, we got to look at that. But if that's where we stay, then we're going to always be shaking our faith because we're not trustworthy. We're not solid. Or other people, they're not solid. It's Jesus. And if our eyes are focused on Jesus, then our faith will be solid. So what we need to understand about faith is it's not about us, it's about Jesus. We also need to understand that Jesus took care of it so I don't have to. It says in Romans 4:17, God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that did not exist. Galatians 2:20, I have been crucified with Christ; it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2.21, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Jesus died that I would become righteous. That's how it came. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, "Curses is everyone who hanged on a tree. Jesus was crucified so that we didn't have to be. Jesus was condemned so that we didn't have to be. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, have been brought near by all the works that we do, by how passionately we pray, by how much we come to church, by how we live a moral life. No, we were brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. Jesus' sacrifice took care of it for us. Ephesians 2.16, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. How do we have a unity or any semblance of a healthy relationship with each other? Because Jesus Christ made it happen. He took care of it. I don't have to. That's hard for some of us because some of us like to fix things. Some of us like to problem solve and make things happen. Some of us like to feel worthy of it. You don't have to be worthy of it. You can't be. You don't have to make it happen. We can just trust that. That's why some people struggle to come back into a church because they messed up and they feel like, I don't deserve to come in there. None of us deserve to come in here. None of us deserve the grace and the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. None of us deserve the revealed word of God. None of us deserve to be able to ask God to give us stuff, and he does. None of us deserve that. But we can have it. Why? Because we pray enough? No because we go to church enough no because i why do i deserve someone to love me because i love them no we get it because jesus took care of it shouldn't that that should be liberating to us that we can have all the goodness that god has for us without having to make it happen isn't that wonderful news that's the gospel we don't have to make it happen And so sometimes the reason why some of us is struggling in our faith is because we're trying to make something happen when we don't have to make it happen. Trust Jesus to make it happen. But where it continues to get perplexing is that my faith choice, it is significant and yet it's completely insignificant. Well, how can it be both? How can my faith matter, and yet it doesn't matter at all. Well, it matters because in Romans 3.25 that this is to be received by faith. Romans 4.16, that is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Galatians 3.14, that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Now you and I know that some people don't receive what Jesus has for them because they don't choose to receive it. They don't put their faith in Him. Not everybody gets to go to heaven. Not everybody's saved. It's available to everybody, but not everybody goes because not everybody chooses to believe. It matters whether or not we choose to believe. But did you notice the wording in pretty much all of those statements? It wasn't We believed and so we made it happen. It's we believed and we received it happening to us. So when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you believed and the Holy Spirit came into your life and brought transformation or healing or wisdom or a work in our lives, we didn't make it happen because we believed. We allowed Jesus to do it to us. And that's why we believe. In fact, it's, a, it's amazing, uh, we kind of, uh, us Protestants kind of pick on Catholics for their works-oriented approach to their walk with the Lord, but we sometimes tend to do that too, even with our faith. We make faith a work, as if, well, I'll look at the faith that I had. Look at how much I trusted God. Look at how faithful I was to God. I believed in all this stuff. And again, we got other statements that make us feel justified in doing that. Be it according to your faith. Jesus saying your faith has healed you. And it makes it feel like, okay, I'm something. My faith is significant. And it is. But it's not. Because Paul writes this in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this... This what? This grace unto salvation. This faith that you have. I want you to listen to how Paul describes this faith that you and I have. This faith that we have. And this is not your own doing. The faith that you chose to have is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. If I made it happen by my faith, I can boast. But the only reason I had faith was because of his working in my life, because of his gift into my life. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We might have chosen to believe. The only reason we did was because the Holy Spirit did a work in our lives. We might have chosen to believe, but the only reason we were capable to even enter into that is because Jesus allowed himself to be crucified on our behalf and conquered death, took on God's wrath on himself and rose from the dead. That's the only reason why you and I were capable of believing. So before we say, look at the faith that I had, I did this, I chose. Yes, we chose. Yes, we need to choose. Yes, something happens when we choose. But it was the gift of God that's why we chose. I received what he did to me. I didn't make what he did to me happen. Isn't it becoming clearer now? See, there's blurred lines there, but if we really look at it, we understand what's happening. Yes, I had to choose, but I choose to receive whatever it is, Jesus, you want to do in me, through me, change me, guide me, do it in me. But the problem still This is where faith without works is dead is still true. And that is that doing right is still necessary. But out of God's work and not mine. Now, How does this work? Well, Romans 3.31 says, Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So do we reject morality because there's faith? Do we reject obedience because there's the cross? Do we reject faithful living for Christ because there's grace? No, by no means do we do that. But well, then what is happening? Well, I read it before, but it, it stands the reason to read it again so that we can get this angle of it. Romans 2 again, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Why? Why the grace? Why the salvation? Why the faith? Why His work? Why? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to simply receive mercy. No, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in in them. He still calls us to be obedient, but not obedient in that if I strive hard enough, I can overcome this sin. If I pray hard enough, then I can be more the fruit of the Spirit and less the acts of the flesh. That if I come to church often enough, that these issues will be resolved in my life. And we need to pray, and we need to strive, and we need to be in the body of Christ. But it's not that if we work hard, these things happen in our lives. It's if we let Jesus work in our lives, he empowers us, gives us the... I'm not stepping forward in obedience because I'm trying to make it happen. I'm stepping forward in obedience because I trust. It's faith act. Because I have faith to believe that if he wants me to do this, he's going to give me the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to step over and witness to that person to step over and pray that prayer, to step over and be faithful to obey and live the way I need to live before others because I do the work. Why? Not because I'm making it happen, not because I'm something special, but because I am trusting that Jesus can make me do this. I am His workmanship created in good works. You know how sometimes we would rather this be all mixed up. Because if it was all mixed up, we could be off the hook. You know, if it was all truly about grace and the works had nothing to do with it, then we could just stay the way we want to stay, right? But if it was all about works and not about the spirit in our lives, then we can make it about us, and that's what we kind of like to do. We can make it about what I did and how I performed and how I achieved, but it's not about that. And I hope that we can all come to the experience of knowing Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty of knowing the freedom of being able to obey, not because I'm working hard, but because I trust and believe that He wants to enable me to obey, that I can receive the mercy and forgiveness and goodness from God, even though I don't deserve it, because I can walk in the blessings that God has for me, because I believe He earned it for me. There's a freedom and a victory in that. There's an ability to become like Christ, like he calls us to be, by faith. To receive it by faith. Will you stand with me? Worship team, will you come up prepare to lead us? This is the good news of the gospel. It's a free gift. But we misunderstand this gift. This free gift isn't a get out of hell free card. This free gift isn't a give me everything that I want gift. This free gift is, I don't have to live that way anymore. In fact, I, I don't even want to live that way anymore. And that, that also is a gift from God. That he changes my heart. That he makes my desires be his desires. That he makes me want something different. That he makes me live a certain way. That he makes me be able to walk. And when I fall and falter and stumble and make a mess of things, I confidently can get back up. Why? Because he paid for all of that. All of that as far as the east is from the west. It's away from me. You can obey. Did you know that? You can live a righteous life. You can bring change into other people's lives. You can have confidence in this. You can overcome depression, anxiety, fear, worry. You can put your life together if we receive the working of the Holy Spirit and the work that Jesus Christ paid for us. But you, there's probably two different types of people in this room this morning. There's the type of person in this room that you're tired. You're doing all the right stuff. You know, you're you're being forgiving and gracious to that lousy excuse of a family member of yours. But you're doing the right thing. But you're exhausted doing it. You're sharing your faith. You're coming to church. You're reading your Bible. You're praying. You're doing all this stuff, but you're just exhausted doing it. And it's confusing to you because you're, you're doing all the right things. There's no energy in it. There's no life in it. There's no victory in it. What, what's wrong? I'm doing all the right things. It's because you're trying to make it happen on your own. You're thinking, because all those stuff, all those things don't need to change we should be praying reading our bible being in the body of christ living righteous all that stuff being what we should be for other people we should be that none of that's supposed to change what's supposed to change is that i'm not doing it so that by these things i make it happen but i'm doing it because i trust i trust that he will enable me to do this and some of you here you need to begin to come down to this altar because you feel powerless and empty because you've been trying to make it happen. And in an act of faith, you come down. Don't wait for me to finish. You come down in an act of faith, trusting, expressing that I'm coming down here to receive the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Because didn't Jesus say, take my yoke upon you? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For some of you, there's nothing easy with how you've been following Christ. And there's freedom that he has for you down at these altars this morning. So come and receive being set free from that. Not set free from doing the actions, but set free from the responsibility of it. Come and receive that. Because it's not not the actions that's broken. It's the faith that's broken. I'm believing in myself, and I'm not believing in Jesus Christ to do it in me and through me. Come and receive the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to give you life again. But there's two kinds of people in this room. There's the kind of person that I just described that's the striver that's trying to make it happen. But there's a second person that's likely in this room. And it's the person who relies so heavily on the kindness and mercy and grace of God that you felt no responsibility on your own to do anything. You've not been praying, seeking the Lord, studying the Scripture, serving, being in the body of Christ. You've not been doing the things. And it's because you don't want to do them like you wish you did. You wish you wanted to do the things, but you don't want to do them. You don't want to reject the sin. You don't want to live righteous. You don't want to seek Him and seek the mission. You don't want to. I want you to know today that there's hope for that person as well. Because he can take a heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh. So you feel lost in apathy, no zeal, no passion, No drive to do this stuff. You don't have to pray harder for that to happen. You don't have to line up a map out, a plan or anything. You can come right now to these altars and receive a new heart. You can begin to receive a hunger and a desire for righteousness, a hunger and a desire for the mission, a hunger and a desire to do the things that God has called you to do. That instead of just blaming God's mercy and grace for license to be who you are, come and receive the passion that Jesus wants you to have. Receive that in faith. Why wait? Why wait? I mean, that's that's the, the beauty of the miracle of what Jesus did a thousand years ago what the Holy Spirit's capable of. He can make our tired, worn-out selves have life and energy and enjoyment in it. And He can take our miserable excuse for do-nothing people and can make us long for, passionately long for the things of God. Wouldn't you rather pray because you love it and you enjoy it? Wouldn't you rather be lost for hours in His Word because you deeply desire it than making that happen and receive as the worship team leads us receive the holy spirit's here ready receive his work for you this morning so when you're in the darkest night when you're struggling with sin just begin to cry out to him because we don't have to make anything happen we just need to receive the righteousness and holiness of god And just begin to worship Him. Just begin to call out to Him and sing how marvelous, how wonderful it is that Jesus, what Jesus has done for me. If we find ourselves in the midst of the deepest, darkest depression or we're all alone or we have no provisions, nothing, may we begin to cry out to Him in absolute trust and assurance that though I have nothing in this earthly life, I have everything, because how wonderful, how marvelous my Savior is to me. When I'm living a righteous life, and I'm being holy before Him, blameless before Him, and I'm pursuing the mission, and I'm being all that He's called me to be, may it be that that still drives me to praise Him, because how marvelous and how wonderful He is to me to create this inside of me. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would help build our faith. Build our faith, Lord. Give us a new heart. Transform us. Make us have the desires that we should have. You never override people's will, but we are voluntarily choosing to open ourselves up to receive whatever it is you want to do in us, whatever you want to make us to be. Set us free, Lord, from the burden of the law. Not because we're freed from morality and all of that stuff, but set us free from the burden of it so that the the following of Christ truly would be a yoke that's easy and light. And may you infuse us with joy in walking in step with the Spirit, in being what we're supposed to be, That it wouldn't just become a, I have to do this. It would be a, I love, I love every bit of doing this. I love your word. I love your presence. I love seeking you. I love serving others. I love pursuing the mission. I love living righteous life. I love saying no to sin. I love that. I love having the character of Christ. Make us new today, Lord. And as a result of it, Lord, we trust that somehow we will end up bringing glory and honor to you by the way we walk this out in faith in you. Thank you for what you're doing. Continue as we go to be at work in us and those around us, that we would be the light, light of the world that you've called us to be. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said and aren't you glad for what he did for you? Who knew it contained all of that that he did for us? Uh, next week, we're going to wrap up our faith journey to see what pursuing the mission has to do with our faith. We'll see that next week. And uh, lastly, before you go, we're, we're going to try to do something a little differently, Uh we're going to hope you're going to be patient with us as we try it out, see what works and make modifications. But if you are interested in serving in ministry, um, whether it's you, you have a ministry that you'd like to serve and be a part of, or you just want to be a part of something, but you have no idea what that is, or you have an idea, you know, the church, I think this would be great if the church was doing this or uh, should do that, or did the church know that this wasn't being taken care of? Um, then John, uh, right back there. John, you're in the wrong spot, though. <laughs> John's going to be at, at that Welcome Center over there. And just go and see him. And he wants to help guide you through that process of being involved. And you're not, so he doesn't have a contract for you to sign or anything. Uh, he's just wanting to learn where's your heart and what do you want to do. And he's going to help you uh, dive into that. So if that's, that's on your heart, go see him before you go. Uh, but thank you so much for being here today. I uh, love you guys.